The Old Testament lesson for today is from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 25. This can be found on page 1 of your pew Bible. Everything we see and experience in this world was created by God and reflects his majesty and goodness. A reading from Genesis chapter 1, beginning with the first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the waters under heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that would gather together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind, on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which there is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons, and for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night, and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light to the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with the swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. I had been reading it all wrong. 
For many, many years, I had been reading the words, but I was missing the main point until somebody showed it to me. And once they showed it to me, well, I couldn't unsee it anymore. I don't know how I missed it all these years, reading the words but missing the point. I'm talking, of course, about the FedEx logo. <laughs> Maybe you haven't seen the arrow between the E and the X. Maybe some of you are seeing it for the very first time right now. Talk to your neighbor after the service. If you can't see it now, we have elder healing prayers for you. <laughs> I had never seen that cool little arrow between the E and the X until someone showed it to me. I had been reading the words, but I had been missing the point. Just out of curiosity, raise your hand if you're seeing that for the very first time. Wow. This sermon is sponsored by Federal Express. Perhaps you thought I was talking about Genesis chapter 1. Same thing there. I had been reading the words, I had been hearing Genesis chapter 1 my whole life, but I had been missing the point. I had been missing what it all points to. And what does it point to? It points to who our God is. I had been reading the words, asking questions like, when? When did this happen? And how long did it take? Were they six 24-hour days, or was it some other expanse of time? I was using adventures of missing the point. The main point of Genesis chapter 1 is it shows us, it points to who our God is. And we're going to discover that today as we dive into it. We begin a brand new series today. I'm really excited about it. If you haven't picked it up already, maybe from Anne's children's sermon or from our advertisements, you uh, know that we are aligning ourselves here in the pulpit with what the children and the students are going to be learning every single Sunday with the Gospel Project curriculum, a three-year chronological study of the Bible. So that means everybody who comes on Sunday, no matter what age you are, will be learning the same Bible story. The idea here is maybe those of you who have kids, those of you who have teens, maybe on the car ride home, maybe at dinner after church or throughout the week, you can talk about the Bible story that you learned about. My hope is that there's some at-home discipleship that occurs as a result of this. So let's start looking at the story together. Let's begin in the beginning. Right here in verse 1, it says this in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens, and the earth. Now, as I said, for many years I had been reading those words, but thinking about it all wrong. I was asking questions like when and how. I was placing Genesis chapter 1 right up against texts from history or texts from science, and I was trying to read them all the same way. It's like Abraham Lincoln emancipated the slaves, and in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth reading it like a history book, or reading it like a science book, saying Einstein's theory of relativity, and in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when I read the page next to those other kinds of pages, I start asking all kinds of questions that bring me down the path of thinking about how it all happened and when it happened. I'm not sure that Genesis chapter 1 points ultimately to those answers, but rather to the question and the answer, who is our God? Now, before we start really looking at what Genesis chapter 1 shows us about who our God is, I do want to address the how and the when just briefly. 
Because even though I just phrased it as kind of adventures and missing the point, I know that some of you have minds that think this way. You think about the how, and you think about the when, the scientific exploration and analysis of Genesis chapter 1. And if that's the way you think, then I want to just encourage you. We brought in this guy named Hugh Ross a few years ago. He spoke brilliantly on these things. I have a book and a DVD if anybody wants to borrow these. Uh, you can come get these from me after the service. I just have one copy of each. I do want to just provide that for you. If that's how your mind works, if you want to think about how does Genesis 1 line up with scientific inquiry. The second thing I want to say about the how and the when, I really want to address those of you who maybe think in an atheistic mindset or an atheistic worldview. I've read some of those books, The Origin of the Universe Without God and the, and the topics like that. I've seen the Neil deGrasse Tyson special on PBS. Maybe you've seen it as well. And I've explored these ideas, and they all seem to have pretty much the same thing in common. They basically propose that there's three main ingredients in the origin of the universe. An almost infinite amount of matter, an almost infinite amount of time, and then the chance that life would eventually form with that much time and that much matter. The Neil deGrasse Tyson special says that with that much matter and, and that much time, eventually there will be some vents at the bottom of the ocean where water heats and cools and does it enough time over billions of years that life will begin, chances are, he says. I just want to look at that a little bit right now before we move on to the rest of the text. Basically, three ingredients, time, matter, and chance. Well, let's look at it. What is chance? Chance, you might say, is what determines whether the quarter lands heads up or tails up if I flip a quarter. But let's look at that a little bit closer. Let's just say right now I had a quarter on my thumb, and I flipped it, and it landed on the altar table right here in front of the pulpit. We might say chance would determine whether it's heads up or tails up, but let's use our scientific minds for a minute. If this is the atheistic worldview, let's look at that. Actually, it's not chance. It's all measurable things, right? We can measure how, distant, how much distance between my thumb and the table. We can measure the velocity of my thumb hitting the quarter. We can measure whether it started heads up or tails. These are all measurable things, aren't they? There's no chance that would determine heads up or tails up. So fully one-third of the ingredients of the atheistic worldview of the origin of the universe doesn't exist. Am I right? Almost infinite amount of time, almost infinite amount of matter, and chances are life would eventually form. But, but what is chance? It's nothing. Is it possible, those of you who might think in the atheistic perspective, is it possible that that third ingredient is not chance, but it's the who of the Bible. It's the who that Genesis chapter 1 shows us. Who is our God? Just consider that maybe, just for a moment, as we go into the rest of Genesis chapter 1, that that third ingredient is a being who created the heavens and the earth. So what does Genesis chapter 1 show us about who this being is? The first thing I see leaping off the page when I read Genesis chapter 1 about who our God is, that the point of Genesis chapter 1, not necessarily the when or the how, but the who, one thing I see about our God is that our God is a God of order. A God of order. Let's look at verse 2. It says, The earth was without form and void, 
and darkness was over the face of the deep. The earth was without form and void. And then God starts bringing order out of that formlessness. When I was trying to picture how to illustrate this idea, this concept that the earth was without form and void, the only thing that came to my mind was in my house, sometimes when it's late at night and I'm ready to go to bed, and then I think, oh no, did I shut the garage door? And I go downstairs and all the lights are off and I'm walking towards the garage and I have to, before I get to the garage door, I have to walk through the children's playroom. And it's dark, and I don't have the lights on, and between the kitchen and the garage door button is this formless dark void (laughs) of Legos on the floor and the pain they inflict. And who knows what else, and I have to kind of make my way through there and then eventually hit the garage door if the garage door is still open. This is what I pictured in my mind. I don't know if that's helpful for you. (laughs) Verse 2, it says, The earth was without form. And void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And then from their order, I love the way Nick read it with the British accent. I could just feel the order coming. There was light on the first day. So orderly. There's morning, there's evening. God is separating things. God is speaking. And it is so, you see what he's doing? See what God's doing? He's cleaning up the playroom. He's putting things where they go. He's removing the formlessness. He's starting to organize I like this about God because my wife and my staff will tell you I'm kind of a neat freak. I like organization. I sweep the garage once a week. I go to the car wash. The guys know me there at the car wash. I'm there so much. I like things to be clean and neat and orderly. So I love this about God that the spirit hovers over the formlessness, the void, the deep, and God starts bringing order out of the chaos, organizing things, separating things, putting things in their place. I like being neat, and you know, God sometimes gives us little reminders that when we're neat and orderly, that we're not actually in control. One of the reminders God gave me along these lines was my daughter Evangeline. My son, Riley, he's neat like me. I love this. Even when he was little, he was always clean and neat. And then Evangeline came into the picture, and I have this memory of her from when, before she could even walk, and she crawled over to the bookshelf in the living room, the bookshelf in the living room that held my theology books. Very neat, very orderly. And I remember this like it was yesterday because she crawled over there, very proud of herself, and she stood up on the edge of the bookshelf, and with one of her little hands, she grabbed the edge of the bookshelf, and she was looking at me really, you know, with these big brown eyes. And actually, I remember she was growing teeth at the time as well. There was like two crooked teeth coming out of the gums and drool coming down her chin. And she was looking at me, and she took my theology books, and she just, one by one, was just throwing them across the room, looking at me, you know. There goes Calvin's Institutes. <laughs> Luther's early works. <laughs> Karl Barth's dogmatics. I think the binder broke on that one. She just looked at me. She was so proud of what she was doing. And I remember it so clearly because I felt that God himself was looking at me through those big brown eyes. I felt like he was looking at me saying, I brought this one into your life to mess up your theological categories and to bring some disorder into your ordered and controlled life. You see, because we see if there's an arrow in Genesis chapter 1 pointing to the fact that our God is a God of order, it's not just that he's a God of order. 
It's not just that God is some computer programmer getting everything neatly in their categories. God is also a God of life and light and abundance and goodness. I love the verbs in these verses, verses 3 and 4. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. And then all these verbs that proceed then in the next verses, verse 11, the vegetation sprouts. And I see one of my theology books being thrown across the floor. Verse 14, the lights in the heavens, they're, they're an expanse. Do you see just the bigness and creativity of God. And I love verse 20. It says, let the waters swarm with swarms. That's not a word I normally use. What is swarming? I don't know, but I picture schools of fish just swarming with swarms of living creatures. In verse 22, let all of these creatures multiply. You see, what this shows us, if there's an arrow in chapter 1 pointing to who God is, it shows, yes, he's a God of order, but that's not all. He's a God of life and light and goodness. He's not just a computer programmer. He's also Jackson Pollock, and he's just spreading it out over the whole universe. That's who our God is. And we can just marvel at that right now. This text points to that to who our God is. I have a couple of temptations as a preacher on this text. I'm tempted, first of all, to give us a whole bunch of takeaways, a whole bunch of principles we can walk out the door with. Like, maybe there's chaos in your life, and I could say that God can bring order to the chaos. I could come up with a lot of takeaways, but just for today, I want us just to, just to look at the arrow. Where is it pointing? It's pointing to who God is. We'll work on the takeaways in the coming weeks. The second temptation I have is I want to tell you the rest of the story. You notice how the reading stopped right before humans were created, and it stopped right before humans were created and began introducing sin into the equation. We're going to get to that next week and the week after that and beyond. Just for today, though, we're not going to talk about the rest of the story, sin and redemption and all those things. I just want us to look at who God is, the goodness of God, the order and the life and the abundance and the light and the goodness of God. We can just rest in that for a moment. How God created it all, how it all began. Especially because of where the whole story points. The whole story that we're going to look at over the next three years together, the big story. Colossians 1 says this, talking about Jesus. For by him, that is Christ, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. That's talking about Jesus. Did you know that about Jesus? By Jesus, all things were created. 
in heaven and on earth. When I picture Genesis chapter 1, I picture the Father speaking. But in fact, it's all three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit present there at creation. All things were created through him and for him. You know what this could have said in Colossians? It could have said, all things were created through him and for us. It doesn't say that. It says that the creation was created for God, for God's good pleasure, for God's glory, as Anne taught the children this morning. Just knowing this little switch, knowing this little change in thinking that the world was not created for me, but it was created for him, for his glory, for his honor, that helps me a little bit, because then I feel a little bit less entitled. Why aren't things going my way? Why isn't the world around me catering to my needs? Well, it wasn't created for me. I can enjoy it very much, but ultimately it was created for Jesus Christ, for his glory. That's where the whole story is going over the next couple of years. This is a little bit different way of thinking about Jesus than you might get in maybe some other churches where Jesus is the guy walking around Israel 2,000 years ago in sandals and a robe teaching turn the other cheek. That Jesus is real. He really existed. But also, there's this eternal Jesus who was there at the beginning. The whole world was created through him and for him. And as it says in Colossians, through him all things hold together. Jesus is the linchpin of all of creation. And it's all for his glory. Just for today, I want us to rest in that fact. We're going to go to the table in just a couple minutes and confess our sins so we know the rest of the story. We're going to look at that especially two weeks from now with Adam and Eve and the fall. But just for today, let us rest in the goodness of God. That's what Genesis 1 points us to. It's not necessarily about the how or the when, but the who. And our God is a God of order, but also of life and light and abundance and goodness. Amen.